Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. So last week, what we did is we looked at the definition of the word faith. And I put the probably the most famous passage uh, in the Bible for, you know, in the modern era for what faith would be Hebrews 11, one right now, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Um, and I, we talked about that last week. We broke down what those words actually meant because for me, it was more that that sounded kind of poetic, almost like a beautiful riddle that had to be, you know, had to be solved. Um, and it, it never, I never really understood it fully until we broke down those words. And so the reason that I put um, uh, a different, a different um, translation or paraphrase of this scripture in your notes than the one you might be used to is because after digging into the words last week and what they mean, uh, faith, substance, hope, all those things um, in the original language, this one in the uh, New Living Translation, I think it's closest to what those definitions are trying to say. And that, that is, uh, and it reads like this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can't see. Faith is a conviction and a confidence that what we're hoping for and whom we're trusting in is hearing us and is going to respond in a way that will glorify him and meet our need. It is not just saying, oh yeah, I believe in God. That is un poco, little, right? That's all, that's, a, that's a, the, the breadth of my Spanish. That's just for you, man. That's all I got, right? Um, very, very tiny on the understanding of faith. Like there's just a God out there. Yeah, I believe in him and I have faith in something. I just believe in whatever, but I just, I believe. That is not what God is talking about here, just having a faith or a belief. This faith is a confidence. It is a conviction. It is, I have heard the message of the gospel. I have looked at the world around me. I have heard everything that has been presented to me. I was either in a moment with a service where, man, it just hit me at the right time. I, I just understood it at that moment for some reason. I I used to walk with the Lord and then I wandered away from him, which was my story. And then I realized, why did I ever leave him? And I ran back to him. There's some people who want to try out every other religion because they're trying to do their due diligence and, and figure out what the truth really is. And they wind up back with God. But they're in whatever path or whatever details of your story that your story consists of, that's fine. As long as you resolve back to Jesus as the one who you put your faith in. And it's not just saying, I believe that Jesus lived because a passage we wrote last or that we read last week said, you know, or that we'll probably get into this week said, you know, good for you. There's more to it than just that. There's more to it. But this, this confidence and this conviction is that I have looked at this. This has been tested. This has been tried. I've been forced to look and pick it apart. I have been forced to sit with it when I didn't understand what was going on. And I'm holding on to the faith um, that I have in Jesus. In that form, the, the word faith is like a noun. It's a thing. But it doesn't stay a noun. Your belief empowers and informs your actions. So once you possess faith as a noun, it begins to turn into a verb, which is belief that gets carried out through your words and your actions. The conviction that we have, that the faith we have in Christ is real, is because of whom we're trusting in, and that's Jesus. The confidence is high because the God we serve is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-encompassing. He's everywhere. He's outside of time. He made the universe. He made the heavens. He made you. He made me. He made everything that we see. He is the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and Omega, which is the first letter and the last letter of the, of the alphabet that he was dealing with at the time. I am the first, the last, the beginning and the end. Our faith is real and tried and tested because we have 
a literally millennia of time that people have come against Christianity, it still stands today and it has to stand in you past the test of time, of ridicule, of questioning that confidence and a conviction that I don't understand an immediate circumstance, but I have faith, a confident conviction in God. He is the source of my faith. Many people today say, well, I, I believe I have faith in what, if it's not God in what things will work out for you. Everything happens for a reason. That's not faith. That's optimism. Optimism is faith in faith. <laughs> that I believe so something's going to happen. doesn't matter what I believe in. We got a whole bunch of people running around today believing a whole bunch of stuff. That is just nuts. I saw two videos this week that blew my mind. Someone was giving a speech on a, on a college campus and some of the students were upset that they were, that they were there and they didn't want to hear them or whatever. And so four, four or five of the students who identify as dogs showed up with dark eye, uh, eyeliner and with, with dog collars on. And instead of trying to shout somebody down, they would look at them and go, rah, rah. like they would bark at them. Like, I'm not sure if that's mental illness or, or, or you know, or, or demon possession, right? Like there's, it, it could, it, it could vary between person to person, but you could believe I'm a dog, but you're believing the wrong thing, right? The other thing I've seen this week is grown men, 40 and 50 year old men who I, who think in their mind that they're babies. Bob from accounting at the job sits at a cubicle and then goes home and puts on an adult-sized diaper and lays in his adult-sized crib that he ordered off of Amazon and sucks on an adult-sized bottle and says gaga and brings somebody in to take care of him because he thinks he's a baby. He believes he's a baby. This is crazy, right? Everything is spiraling out of control. And I realize these might be the fringes, but these are the things that people are drawing eyes to at the moment. And it's, it's just proves my point. Just because you believe something don't mean it's true. There is a conviction. I have looked at the evidence. I have walked with God. I have seen him show up for me. I have prayed and it has been answered. I have uh, laid uh, my petitions before God and he orchestrated it, not in the way or time frame that I wanted it, but I'm standing other end, on the other end of it going, oh my goodness, I have seen and heard about the goodness of God. I'm not leaving him. I have a conviction a confidence in God. <clears throat> Faith is something we possess, but it also does something in us as believers. So let me ask you a question. And you guys can give me some feedback here if you want to. Don't be afraid. This is not like a Baptist church <clears throat> um, uh, where you have to just sit and don't breathe, you know what I mean? Or move um, or a deacon comes and grabs you. Um, but um, uh, what, how, let me ask you this question. Anybody can answer how do you get saved? How does someone, not your specific situation, but how does someone get saved? First God has to draw them. Okay, God draws them, right? So God's drawing everybody as a general call to all people. He's constantly drawing people. Yes, okay. Then what happens? Believe and confess, right? Confess and believe, right. <clears throat> um, so let's read that. That comes from Romans 10, 9 through 11. Let's read that real quick. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. No, that's not what it says. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and conjunction, meaning step one and then step two, if you openly declare Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So, remember the first passage or first scripture we quoted here at the beginning? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word faith in Hebrews, and this word believe that I have underlined in your notes right here, these are very close to the same word. I would call them cousins. 
but they're not the same. This isn't talking about just having that confidence. It is, it is the verb form of the word. It has to be played out in your actions. There's a, uh, a, a New Testament Greek to English lexicon, which basically just takes the old Greek words and gives a definition that we can understand in English, breaks it down for us. The lexicon is called BDAG. And it's got a funny name because the four authors of the lexicon, those are the, the beginning of their last name, B-D-A-N-G, right? That's just the name of it. <clears throat> but this word, that word, that word faith, last week we talked about was the word pistis. This word, this word believe is pistuio. And so it's, a, it's the next line of your notes. That word believe means, it has two definitions. A, to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust, to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of trust. What does considering entail? Thinking. Thinking. You're exactly right. There's a lot of people who they were in the room and the smoke was going and the late the sharks with the lasers coming out of their heads, you know, were going around and the and the the lights were dim and the and the keyboard was just in that like that that strings like pad like a synth thing and it was just that moment we're like I believe this right now. They just got caught up in the moment. They did not consider. That's why a lot of people when they only decide from an emotion, I'm not against the emotion, but if it's the only thing you're running on, whatever you're running is going to be short lived. You got to consider. It is to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust. I didn't just get emotionally wrapped up into this. I thought this through. This is going to change my life following Jesus. Man, I'm uh, all he wants for me to come to him. There is no, there's no if, ands, or but. He wants a relationship with me. That is the good news. Jesus died to have a relationship with you. But if you come to him, I heard it put like, like this. The good news is he wants you to come to him. But once you come to him, I got some bad news. There's certain elements of your flesh that are going to have to die. So count the cost. Consider, is this what I'm going to do with my life? That's what this word believe, when you confess and believe. We have people going, oh yeah, I believe that. Have you considered it? You consider the ramifications of what that means? Have you considered that I roll in circles? I am friends with people. I am operating in a way that I'm going to change eventually. Because I can't stay the same way. He's not going to let me. He's going to move my, my heart, my spirit from death to life. And then all of a sudden, something's going to be different. And the things I used to enjoy, may not, I may not enjoy them anymore. The things I used to participate in, I might have this conviction now that I didn't have before. Have you considered it? That's what he's talking about here. The, the second definition, letter B in your notes, is to entrust oneself to an entity in complete confidence. To entrust, E-N-T-R-U-S-T, to entrust oneself to an entity in complete confidence. So what did, what, what, you see the progression here? I considered, I thought about it. I looked at the truth of the gospel. I'm responding to the Holy Spirit drawing to me. I am, however that happens in your, the details of your story, that it's not going to be the same for everybody else. But I'm considering this. I'm looking at the message, the person of Jesus and going, he is worthy of my trust. And then I am, I am committing, I am entrusting my entire self to him. That is what belief and that scripture means. I considered it. I, I, I believe it to be true because of what I've considered. I'm realizing he is the one that's worthy of praise, not me. And I am entrusting my life to him. Now, this clarity on this issue and in this passage presents and exposes a very big problem. In American church. Because every single one of us have been to a place and early in ministry, I'm guilty of being one of the people who was doing this. But all of us have been to a place where someone gave an altar call at the end and said, um, 
Repeat this prayer after me. Repeat these words after me. And if you mean it, you're good. Name got up there in the good book and can't be taken out. You're going to heaven. You're a Christian now. Yay. And then everybody else who didn't pray the prayer stands up and applauds. Or to not embarrass the people who are now trying to commit to Christ. We don't want to embarrass them in an auditorium of people. We just all prayed all together. I got to make sure I get the, all the stuff in there. Uh, he was born of a virgin. I believe he died on the cross. He rose again in three days. He's the only son of God. Faith in him. You know, forgive me of my sins. If I had all of those things in there, like I was trained to, to say to the person on the airplane, because they were a captive audience, I got to hit him with it real quick. And if I can get that, if I can get you to pray after me, bam, you're in. Is that what the scripture we just read says? There is, okay, this may surprise some of you, but there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. No such thing as a sinner's prayer in the Bible. It doesn't say repeat these things and make sure these elements are in this prayer and then you're good with God. It says confess what you believe. And I believe because I've considered it. I realize he is worthy. I am entrusting my whole person to him. That's what it is to believe. And now out of my mouth going, I am different. I am changed. Jesus is Lord over all. And specifically, he is my Lord. Then, then the scripture says you're saved. If we could all just say, if we can, if we can break down that sinner's prayer into like six sentences, can you get somebody to recite these six sentences with you before next week? And that means there's a couple dozen people who are going to heaven that weren't before, before this week. If that was the case, then we would actually be a new age belief because Getting you to repeat words after me is a mantra. It's a mantra. You're not saved by repeating words over and over again. Jesus made that clear in the Gospels. You can't just repeat all these words and pray big, long prayers with big, flowery words that people don't understand what they mean, but they look and go, man, that dude's smart when he prays. He knows these big words. You can't just do that and then think, I'm good, but we have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people throughout the last probably 40 or 50 years who recited a sinner's prayer and think, because I repeated those words with the preacher, I'm good. And then go right back to living how they were before. And they never considered, they never got to the point of belief, of realizing that he is worthy of my life, of glory, of everything. He is the one who rescues me from eternal destruction. They didn't even consider that. They repeated the words because maybe uh, it was a prayer time. Maybe it was at a Christmas time. And you thought, man, I want a present. They're going to pass those things out. So I got to pray that prayer. Uh, yeah, I prayed the prayer. Do I get a present? We used to joke about this at outreaches because it'd be like, yeah, I prayed the prayer. Do I get a hot dog? I'm hungry. Yeah, I'll say whatever you want me to say. Yeah, I can't give uh, something to my kids and I can't feed my kids tonight. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Yes, hallelujah, dude. I'll do a little jig for you. You know what I mean? Like we can we can dust it up right here and I can run around and shout and holler and fall out. But there's no belief. But because we have presented the idea that you can just pray this prayer, repeat this prayer after me, we have a whole bunch of people out here who are running around calling themselves Christians who never believed they only confessed and their confession was really a mantra that they were just reciting after someone who said a spiritual leader they looked up to and trusted because they were on a stage with a microphone somewhere and said, you're saved now. Try to do good. Drop a few bucks in the offering plate. Make sure you, you, you clean yourself up and don't, don't be cussing. That's step one. Come to church or God's mad. That is not anything of what we just read. But that's what we presented to people. I say we figuratively as the church. And we have a whole bunch of people who think they're good with God, but have no belief in him. <clears throat> so what, say, what saves us? 
Next on your notes. Confessing your faith in Jesus publicly, coupled with the action of believing. The action of believing, which is considering the message of the gospel, putting your confidence and trust in Christ to save us from destruction. That's what saves us. What doesn't save us? Next on your notes. Repeating a quote-unquote prayer after a preacher without faith in Jesus, a genuine belief that the message of the gospel is so true it's worthy to be trusted for eternal salvation and earthly change. That doesn't save us. If we don't have a genuine belief, if we don't have a true faith in Jesus, if we just repeat the prayer that has not ticked all the boxes, it's not the requirement because Jesus is not after you standing in front of a bunch of people going, I believe in him. What he's after is your heart to be completely transformed and change. And then you can't help but talk about him because of what's going on inside you is so different and alive than it wasn't before. We have a multitude of people who recited the sinner's prayer after a preacher, but don't really believe in their hearts. They leave that moment and try really hard to be good and follow the moral instructions someone that they look up to gave them or they learned from Sunday school. It, look at that. Confess and believe. The scripture doesn't even say pray. It doesn't even say pray. Believe, consider, and then confess. Prayer will happen after that, but it doesn't even say you got to pray to be saved. You confess and believe. This type of, of, of environment that's been created for people just to re repeat a prayer and that I'm good with Jesus. And then you tell everybody you're good, good with Jesus and then you live like the devil and wonder why people look at us and go, eh, you're a bunch of hypocrites over there. We did it to ourselves. Have you, this is where we get the term cultural Christian. I grew up around it. I said the prayer. I want to be a good boy or good girl. I want to, and I'm not saying God can't move in somebody's life through cultural Christianity. I'm saying that if we're just uh, creating a culture of people who recited the prayer and are saying that they're uh, Christians, not a biblical Christian, but a cultural Christian, because they went along with the church culture that we portrayed of just reciting the sinner's prayer after me, then we have a huge block of people who are at risk of destruction and getting to heaven and going, wait, what? I, I prayed with that guy. Yeah, you never, you, you never, you never even considered the belief. The cultural Christian is a person who calls himself a Christian without any knowledge that just trying to be a good person and following the good book is how people get to heaven. You know, if you get, if you get people away from the big auditorium, you just have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with them, you'd be surprised how many people say, you know, I really don't really know all the stuff, about. I don't really read the Bible a lot. I just try to be a good person. Hopefully God will let me want to get there. That is not faith. That's not. In one sense, they think that their moral actions through their own effort will get them a star on the board with the big teacher in heaven. Remember that as a kid? In elementary, you got a sticker or a star or a check mark on the board when you did really good. And you think that repeating that prayer and then, you know, easing off on the cussing and going to church or whatever the thing is that you used to do or I drink less or whatever, a party less. And now I look I'm, and I'm, I got this picture in the back of my head. The guy's going up. Ah, you drink ginger ale instead of the, 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 the alcohol tonight. Check on the board for you. And God sees that I did all that for him, and I said those words, and I've been trying to be a good person. He'll let me in. That has nothing to do with faith. We ended last week's message with a, a passage from, a small passage from that same chapter, Hebrews 11, but verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. None of these works, 
gets God to applaud us because all of them are nothing without him. James, it's my favorite book of the Bible because he just kind of gives it to you, right? Like if you if you like it straight, like straight, no chaser, you just give it to me straight. Just tell me the truth. It doesn't matter if it hurts my feelings or not. That's James, right? <clears throat> and he lines out a distinction between people who just say, I believe. And then he draws a line between the people who just say it and the people who actually believe it and what happens with their life. James 2, 14 through 24. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is Unless it produces, produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown right to be or was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Adam believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not faith alone. What is he saying here? He's saying, you cannot just say, I believe in God, and that is faith. Because even the demons believe that. He just said, his word's not mine. Pretty worthless. What good is that going to do you? There has to be something more. Your deeds, you don't get to earn your way into heaven. If you have a genuine faith that is really alive, it is going to come out of you. What you do, where you go, how you talk, the way you think, the way you treat other people, the way you address your, your parents, your kids, your coworkers, it's going to change everything about you. Maybe not all at once and some, ba -ba, it might take a little bit of, of time for sanctification to begin to grow in you and walk through a process of that and learn what the scripture says. But there is going to be a nature change in you. If you say you have the faith, but there is no good deeds. He is saying that you are not producing from anything, that your faith is dead. It's not alive. You haven't considered. You haven't seen God's glory. You haven't entrusted yourself to him. And by, by that, becoming born again, you're just saying it. And if it doesn't produce anything in your life, like good deeds towards others, then that faith is dead. It's not alive. It is not the faith you need to have to be saved. Show me the deeds. <clears throat> it's the, look at the very last, let's go back and look at the very last line of that. He was even called, uh, he was even called friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not faith alone. It doesn't say that we are that we are right with God by what we do. It's that we are shown your good deeds that you do for the community, for your family, for your friends, for your job, for strangers, as you serve each other in the church with the gifts that you have. Those things and the fact that you do it is evidence of your faith. It's evidence that your faith is real. 
It's evidence that you don't have a dead faith, that you have a live faith, that it changed the way that I'm not selfish anymore. I'm starting to do good deeds, not just to benefit me, but I'm doing good deeds so I can reach out to others and connect with them. It's not made, you weren't, uh, those deeds don't make you right with God. They show you to be right with God. It is the evidence that your faith is genuine and real. Who is shown? Who is shown those deeds? Well, first of all, you. It's a moment for you to say, hey, is this faith in me real? Have I heard this message about Jesus and said it, but has it resulted in me actually living out my faith? Has it resulted in an action or is it just a statement I made? Does that faith fuel the way I live, the way I treat people, the way I act? It shows you, it's a, it's a test for ourselves to ask ourselves, not in trying to beat ourselves up or anything like that, but to literally ask ourselves, hey, am I right? Do, do my actions reflect my belief? If they don't, it's not because you're doing the actions wrong. It's because there is a deficit in your faith. The second people that it shows that your faith is genuine is everybody else. It shows other believers. It shows your friends. It shows your family, the people that you work with. Man, I knew you before you got saved, and now I'm looking at you after going, man, there's a huge difference. The dude that used to run around with all these women is now married and fully, fully committed to one woman. There's a change in his life. I'm looking at the evidence of that change. I'm looking at a guy who used to, to be angry and get angry at the drop of a hat, and now he's compassionate and empathetic to people. There is evidence of a change. Those good works, those things that you're going out of your way to help other people, you do those not because, well, I'm a Christian, I better do this, or God's going to take my check mark off the board. No, there is a faith in you, a confidence that I considered that my life belongs to him. And if I truly believe him, if I truly love him, I'm going to act in a way that reflects that. How can you be alive on the inside, but dead on the out? It doesn't work. To, it doesn't work that way. If the tree is dead, the leaves are brown. There's no nourishment going out. The, 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 uh, what's being affected does not grow. If you are alive on the inside, you're going to show how alive you are through good works on the outside. But if there's no good works out here, you have to look at yourself and go, am I alive in here? Is this faith real in me? Did I just say it or do I really believe it? It doesn't mean that you haven't had a hard time. People have hard times. I missed it this week. Everybody misses it. You only missed it for a week. You're better than the rest of us. I had a bad day. Only one? Because I would like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about am is it is the, the attitude of my heart and the frame of mind of how I treat other people. Is that in line with what I say I believe? Do I really believe that? And if I do, how has it impacted what I'm doing in my life? Because faith is not just a noun, it's also a verb. If we were once full of anger, but now give grace, there's been a change. If we were once full of hatred, but now we're overrun with love, it's been a change. If we were once... Uh, uh, just soaking in jealousy, and now we are full of empathy. It's been a change. If your sole focus has been on accumulating more and having a heart that is greedy, but now you are generous and want to help everybody who has a need, there has been a change. If you've been eaten up with lust, but now there is a renewed innocence, there has been change. People will know we have changed 
or that we're different from the other people around us by what our active beliefs produce in our words and actions. They're just going to walk by your cubicle and be like, there's a halo over his head today. Where'd you get that thing? Oh, God put it there. I'm different now. No. How do they know? Your words and your actions, your deeds, your actions are fueled by your faith. Okay, so now I've been a little general. Now let me just walk right up into your, in, 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 in your kitchen here. And we'll just step on some toes. If I believe God's word is important, has God's directives and standards for life, and is a major way he speaks to us, then I will read it. If I don't read God's word, do I believe its value? Do I believe that he can speak to me through it? Do I believe that it has the, the standards of life? Or is it just a thing I need to have and be able to find a couple of quick little verses in here so I can uh, to back up the words that I said? Or is there a belief that God's word, if I am in the midst of a struggle and I go to it, I don't know how in the world God does that, but I'm telling you this week, last week for me personally, he has taken books that were written thousands of years ago and today changed my life and my perspective and answered my prayer through it. If we believe prayer is necessary to know the heart of God, to see his powerful hand to move on our behalf, to unload our burdens and build a relationship with him, then we will pray. If we believe in prayer, if we believe it is important, if we believe developing that deeper relationship with God is something that we need to do, then it will inform our action and we will pray. If we're not praying, do we believe it has any value? If we're not reading the Bible, do we believe it doesn't have any value? Because if we really believed it, we would, it would inform the actions that we would pursue. If we believe there's value in gathering with other believers, serving one another with our gifts, building godly relationships and fellowship and community, then you'll come to church. If you have a take it or leave it attitude on Sundays, it probably means that you have a take it or leave it belief system with the value of being in relationship with other believers. This is not a, you better come to church lecture. That's not what I'm saying. Your beliefs, whatever they are, are going to fuel your actions. So if you don't prioritize one thing, it's because you don't believe it's important. So if we're going to say we are people of faith, who are living the faith, that we're living out our faith, that faith includes our action. And yes, we are praying and, and or we're, we're, we're believing for, for all these types of things. We gave in the offering because we want, you know, a, a thousandfold return. We seed, you know, we gave a seed offering of this and we're expecting God to harvest it. We want all that, but I won't pray. Do I believe Prayer, his word, gathering together with believers is important. If I do, that will be shown in my actions. If I find it valuable, I believe it to be reinforcing to what I believe, then it will inform what I'm about to go do. There's a part of me at this point in the message that, may, that wants to, as, as someone who is... Um, uh, been told his whole life to be nice. That wants me to go, it's okay if you're not. Just get back up. But what God is calling us to do as his disciples is a very real fight for other people's lives. Your role may only be to pray. Then you need to pray heaven down. 
whatever it is that your role is, you need to do it with everything you've got because you believe that is the role he has given you. Your belief fuels the action. There's part of me that wants to go, it's okay, guys. You know, I don't want this to come off harsh. But I had to look two weeks ago in the mirror and ask myself these same questions. When's the last time outside of studying for a weekend or listening to something to try to, to, to hone your craft as a speaker or a pastor, when's the last time that you spent an, 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 a length, uh, an extended period of time just consuming God's word for your own health, your own spiritual well-being? And I had to go, whoo, it's not as often as probably I would like to think it is. That down, that, that heaviness, that thing that I experience, and I think everybody probably does from time to time, and I'm wondering how in the world am I going to make it through a scenario, make it through a situation, make it through this or that. You know when, uh, when I have boldness in those, those times is after I've been in his presence. I had to take the pill before I brought it to you. I had to take the medicine myself and go, oh, I can't, there, there, there could not be like a slip up no more for me. I'm not talking about morally. I'm talking about in these things that I consider important. I'm not talking about going legalistic. It better be every morning between six and seven. And if you show up at 605, God help us. Not that. Is there, are you dedicated to it in some way, shape or form? We have to believe our faith has to be in him and what he's given us. We now have to believe his direction. If I was outside the window right here, um, not yelling at Charlie, but I was just outside here, right? Like grilling, you know, hot dogs for everybody or something. And you saw me with this panic look on my face. And I ran in here and go, guys, the roof is on fire. After everybody goes, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. And they all sing. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not kidding. The roof is on fire. And then you'd be like, no, you're joking, right? No, it's on fire. Get out. If you believed what I was saying, what would you do? Get out. Because what you believe fuels your action. If you sat here and went, okay, sure thing, Matt. You just wanted to get outside for whatever. You just didn't want me in here anymore. That's all right. What would that show? You don't believe it. Your actions reveal what you believe. They don't qualify you for heaven. Some people will try to do the actions. They think it's the right thing, but eventually they run out of steam and reveal what they're their, their, their driving force and motivation was the whole time. <clears throat> Next on your notes, our actions are informed by our faith. Our actions are informed by our faith. <clears throat> Look at what Paul tells the believers in the city of Ephesus, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believe. That's what I've been talking about this whole time. And you can't take credit for this as a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. <clears throat> I used to wonder, why didn't when people get saved, God just go, bam, beam me up, Scotty, and take him to heaven? How come you didn't just do that? I mean, why? I mean, it seems like you got saved. Just get him out of here. Why? Why not just do that? You have been saved, yes, into eternity but you are saved now so you can do the good works he's destined for you to do. 
What do those good works do? They represent the change in you, the God who is responsible for the change, and you all, we all become his ambassadors carrying his message everywhere we go. You have not just been saved as quote-unquote fire insurance to get out of hell. That is a big one. But salvation is not the end point. It is the beginning. And it is the beginning for you to continually show what you really believe and how that belief has changed you to everybody else around you. You have been saved so you can do these things. The implication here is a genuine Confident belief in the message of the gospel coupled with a public profession of that faith means we are saved and born again. And that faith leads us to do the good things that God has planned for us. You've been created new through that faith in Jesus for the purpose of good works. Next on your notes, faith is directly tied to our purpose. Faith is directly tied to our purpose. Next line, we cannot, we cannot know our true and ultimate purpose apart from Christ. Now, some of you might go, well, I know some people who are unbelievers who tell me their purpose is to fill in the blank. I know people who are atheist or agnostic or Buddhist or whatever, and they say their purpose is to do this. There's no way in the world you can know what your purpose is without going and asking your creator. You can find something you're passionate about or that you like to do. You can go find that and say, that's what I'm going to give my life to. That's my purpose. But in every instance, that is falling short. <clears throat> There's a Christian comedian. His name is Michael Jr. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen him, but you can YouTube him. He's, he's a pretty funny guy. And before he got saved, he was in comedy. And um, when he was young, he would get in trouble, you know, by his grandmother who took him to church. And she, every time he'd cuss, you know, he'd get smacked or whatever. So he didn't like getting smacked. So he challenged him and, him and a friend of his to let's be funny without cussing. It was a little harder because if you didn't know how to make somebody laugh, you just say a, a cuss word the right way and people start giggling, right? So he goes and he, he, he was writing jokes for all these big late night shows. And his story is really, really awesome. You should listen to the whole thing, not just my paraphrase, um, if you have some time this week. But um, he is, he's, he's talking about how he's on stage and he knows the joke is good if he gets a laugh. If he tells a joke, says it in the right way, you know, he's looking at it seven different ways of, you know, on certain situations and words and stuff like that. And he and he's out there on the stage trying to get laughs because he knows his joke is good. If you're laughing, he got a laugh. But he gets saved and draws closer to the Lord and getting laughs all of a sudden isn't fulfilling. And he is getting prepped for a show and it hits him through the power of the Holy Spirit. God reveals something to him in that moment. He goes, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be out here getting laughs. I'm supposed to be out here giving an opportunity for people to release and laugh. I'm not supposed to be getting it for me. I'm supposed to be out here using my gift and my talent as a gift to you so that you can break through some of the depressions, through some of the hardship, through some of the darkness you might be in. And if you can break through by laughing because laughter does good like a medicine, it's not a medicine. It does good like a medicine. It refreshes your soul. Maybe in that moment where you're out from under the cloud, then he can go, hey, you know how I can have consistent joy, not just at a show? Let me tell you about Jesus. That changed for him, his testimony. That changed everywhere he would go and tell jokes. It changed the way he would do a show. It changed his approach to a joke. It changed where he would do his comedy. He wasn't just looking for the, the big comedy clubs. He wasn't looking for stadiums and arenas and all that kind of stuff. He would go to prisons shelters and try to go in there and give people an opportunity because what happened his new faith informed his action 
and he was living for himself. The I want the satisfaction of knowing I got you to laugh changed when he moved from death to life. His heart becomes new and he realizes this ain't fun anymore because now I have a new purpose because of my belief and my belief and my conviction and my confidence in God is so strong. He's leading me to change my approach. And now I'm giving people an opportunity instead of trying to get something from them. His action, his change was fueled by what? His belief. <clears throat> you can find something you like to do and are passionate about that and call it a purpose. But doing that is two things. It's declaring you're arrogant because I know better than my creator what I need. And it also makes you a disappointment because you settle for things in life you can see instead of trusting the one who is working in the places you can't. Our arrogant belief in ourself always leads to disappointment. When someone is captured by their purpose, they begin to move different. They begin to think different. They talk different. They treat others different. They see the world different. First, because their inner man has come to life. And second, because they realize they have been saved to do good works as a representative of Jesus and a part of God's ultimate plan. I don't know what God's will for my life is. Go do good works for others and watch him show you in those moments exactly where you're supposed to be. Let me give you a real life example. Go start picking up the trash on a two mile stretch of Bell Road and see what happens after that. Oh, wait a minute. The community wants a leader. Oh, wait a minute. They want you to, to come and be a part of this, uh, of, this, of this organization. Oh, wait, you are really out here not looking for money, just wanting to help. You have this whole group of people who have been invested in developing this nonprofit organization. So you can go out there and try to help people who are homeless. And then you, God directs you to help the people who are trying to prevent them from being homeless. Go out there and do the good work. Why? Because I want people to see us and give money to us. No, because I have a belief and a conviction that God has put in our hearts to go do good works to other people as a reflection of that faith and belief. And when you go out there and do it, as you're walking, God goes, okay, go to the left, go to the right, stop, take two steps. He guides everything that you're doing in the pursuit of doing those good works and you're not doing the good works as the Christian thing to do. You're doing them because you really believe. That's how faith fuels your action. People full of faith and living by faith don't walk into a room thinking, how am I going to get my desires catered to? They walk in thinking, how can I do good to others in this situation? They walk in with a mindset that says, I want to walk away from every meaningful encounter that I have knowing I left something of value with the other person so that when they leave, they go home and talk to their wife. They talk to their husband. They talk to their cousin. They talk to their friend. They're meeting for coffee after work and going, man, where did you get that thing right there that you that you have? Where did you uh, where did you pick up that thing? Man, this guy at work told me. My dad gave it to me. My mom taught me this. Man. How do you learn stuff like that? I don't know. I need to go ask them. That good work opens the door later for people to walk through so that you can be a proper representative of Christ. This changes how you work, how you parent, how you treat your spouse, how you conduct your business, what you expect from others. And who knew all of this grew from the root of faith? All of it starts with what you believe. A lot of branches, a lot of fruit, a lot of, lot of leaves, a lot of extension. All of it comes from the root, the true root of faith. Because that faith fuels my actions. Our world says to hit back. Make them feel worse than they made you feel. You got to think of yourself in this situation. They say, go build your own kingdom. Our world says, do what you want. 
Our world says, take what you deserve. Our world says, hold, uh, you define your own truth. Our world says, love is whatever you want to do. Our world says, don't trust anyone. Our world says a lot. But now let's talk about what the world, the word of God says. <clears throat> Romans 12, 6 through 21. If you want to know what you're supposed to be doing, memorize this one. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them, serve them well. Excuse me. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Who in the world knew that doing good is an, out, is an outflow of your faith and doing good conquers evil? So your faith is the direct tie to overcoming evil first in your life, then in your world, and then in our world. Your faith is key. I don't care what the world says to do. Look at what the word just said to do. Which one of those things leads to hate, leads to emptiness, leads to frustration, leads to anger? And which one of those leads to freedom? It's clear. Don't follow your own heart. Don't follow your own way. Don't follow, don't, don't trust yourself so much that you think you know exactly what the next step is. Keep your faith, the conviction that what you believe and hope and trust for is actually going to happen. Matt, I've been doing good works to these people for a long time and I don't see any benefit for it believe that what you're doing, what you're praying for, what you're asking for is not falling on deaf ears because God hears you and believe he's going to use it as a piece of the puzzle in somebody else's story. When that happens, you have participated in what God says, some plant, some water, some harvest. If you only planted seed your entire life and never got to water it or see it harvest, are you good playing that role? Is your faith so strong in God that I could do this obediently, what he's directing me to do? I can do it with a passion and a conviction and a faith that I am being obedient and my life is not pointless. I've not wasted it sowing seeds in everybody else's life. Am I so confident in my faith in God and the God that I serve that I could do that never seeing the harvest and would still be satisfied? Because that's what scripture tells us about Abraham, about Moses, about the fathers of the faith in the Old Testament. They believed not seeing the end result.
can you sow in somebody's life and still not waver when you go, oh, did that even work? I'm not going to do this again. I just talked to that person for an hour and they're still the same. Posted on their Instagram. They went and got drunk last night. They didn't listen to a word I said. I'm not doing this no more. Are you, but are you sowing seeds? And are you doing so with a faith that is now active and actions that are informed by that belief? So the question I want to leave you with today is, first of all, I want you to look at your own life. <clears throat> we got work to do, man. There are people that need to hear the message of Jesus. There is a world that is fighting tooth and nail to um, drive your faith private and your sin public. Just keep that Jesus stuff to yourself and celebrate me and all my debauchery when I'm out here in public. It used to be the other way around. Now the pressure is reversed. Are we going to sit here and go, we can't do anything about it? If you don't do anything about it, it's a reflection that you don't believe that there's anything to be done. There's no belief that you are playing a role in God's plan. The hard part of the message today is I got to look at my own life and go, just don't even take stock of what I want to be different going forward. Just stop and go back for a few days or a week. Look at your actions this week, how you responded, how you talked, how you rolled your eyes, how you got frustrated, how you were angry, how you threw the thing or whatever. I'm not saying you can't have moments that you, that you that you break down. Everybody has those. I'm saying this. Has that have those actions been part of my life for an extended period of time? Then I need to go back. Not and I need to be better. No, I need to go back to my faith and see what I do. I really believe this. And if I'm not sure what I believe, open His Word, spend time in prayer, and run to Him. I don't have to do it in my life. Run to Him. All of this is tied to your faith. That's the first thing. If you look at your actions and go, gosh, man, my actions have been garbage. This is why God gave us a safety net of grace. Repent, focus on strengthening and girding up your faith so much to the point and ask yourself the question. Go back and read the things you think you know from the Bible. Read them again, then go, do I really believe that? What, what is the ramifications if I really believe that? Like if I really believe that the spirit of the living God lives inside of me and that I'm supposed to go and carry the message of the gospel to the world, if I really believe that I have been gifted and there's doors of opportunity that are open for me to go do this, to serve, to do this thing well as a representative of God in front of other people. If I really believe that, that's going to mean I'm going to have to walk through that door. I'm going to have to do what he says. I'm going to have to open my mouth. I'm going to have to stand in places that are uncomfortable for me. I'm going to lose relationships in some way, shape, or form. People are going to be mad at me. They're going to say all kinds of stuff that I'm stupid and, and I'm a hateful bigot or whatever. Am I going to open my mouth? Am I going to let my good deeds reflect what I really believe? Consider the ripple effects of, man, if I really believe this, I should be living in this way. It's going to be abundantly clear because you're not on your own. The spirit of God is lighting the way. That's the first thing. And that's the hard one. But look, if I hired a trainer, I would not go to the gym and expect him to put five pounds on a bar and just let me lift it over and over again and be like, you're good, bro. Put it down. See, great job. I would want him to make the difficult. I would want him to make the exercise more difficult, put more weight on it. So I'm built up today is a 
build you up message because it's going to take some lifting for you to be honest with yourself and go, I need to, I need to make sure that my faith, what I believe is the center of my life. And that's informing everything that I do. Do I believe in prayer? Do I believe in his word? Do I believe in the gathering of the saints? Do I believe in worship? Do I believe in using my gift for him? Do I believe in serving other people? Do I really believe that? And if I do, I need to act on it. It should lead to action. And if you go, man, I don't even know where to start. You're not on your own. Ask the spirit of God, God, please direct me to the place I need to go next to do a good work. Please let me be so sensitive to you that when I walk by the cubicle and see that person sitting there, I go, hey man, I don't know what's going on with you, but I just wanna let you know, there's a God out there who loves you, you're not by yourself. Or whatever it is that the spirit of God drops on your heart to communicate at that moment. Are we ready to do that? Because that's what believers, faithful disciples of Christ, who really believe that's what they do.